0: Missed a couple of weeks over the last couple of weeks due to vacation and due to the birth of our newest grandson, Eli Matthew Merriman. So I praise God for that. He's two weeks old and now eight pounds, ten ounces, and growing. And that's what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about growing again. Uh, but I want to get back to the series that I started on love, growth, and purpose a couple of weeks ago. I want to thank Daryl and Sammy, Pastor Darrell, Pastor Sammy, for filling in. So can we just bless them for being obedient and servants bringing us the bread of life and the word of God. And I just pray that it's been a blessing to you and whatever seeds they sowed, that they found a place in your heart and they're already beginning to bring forth fruit. If you haven't been with us during uh, my series, my focus has been on the vision and the mission statement of SMM which is South Metro Ministries exists to help others find love, growth, and purpose in Christ. We exist. We have our being. We live and move and breathe as a church for no other reason to help others find love, growth, and purpose in Christ. That's what our vision is. That's what our mission statement is. And the reality is we all have a part to play in making that vision a reality. Amen. You have just as much a part as the pastor does. You have just as much a part as I do and the rest of the team does. We all have a part in fleshing out our mission statement of helping others find love, growth, and purpose in Christ. We're all part of the body of Christ. We're all part of South Metro Ministries. So we all share in the responsibility of bringing this vision to pass. Amen. In part one, I'm going to get to prayer in a moment, but I'm laying a foundation reminding us where we've been, and it helps me get back to where we were as well. But in part one, we looked at our need to love one another. It's everything that we sang, because how many of you know our faith, our faith journey, and it all begins with love. Amen. From the foundation of the earth, God poured out his love and laid down his love. and. And that what that's what must be at the foundation of our spiritual life is the love that we sang about this evening. The Bible tells us that they will know that we are Christians by our love. Amen. Not by the three piece suit that we wear. Not by our name on the church roll, not by how often we even come into the house of God. And I want you here every time the doors are open. They won't know that we're Christian by the, the size of the Bible that we carry. They will know we are Christians by our love. Amen. They'll know that we're Christians by the nature and the character of Christ that we demonstrate, not that we just talk about. And that nature is love. How many of you know that God's nature and God's character is love? And in the middle of that love or or that the growth... Uh, from that love are all the other attributes of God as well, but it all centers around the love of God. And what we have to remember is that God demonstrated his love towards us. He didn't just talk about it, but he demonstrated his love and we must also demonstrate that love as well. If we want the vision of South Metro and we want to be the flesh of that vision, then we must demonstrate the love of Christ as well. And not just any love. We learned the, the love that we talked about that was an agape love. It was a selfless and a sacrificial love. And that's the kind of love that we have to demonstrate. And one of the things that we realized, remember that this vision that we have is founded in Christ. We're not just here to help others find love, growth and purpose. We're here to help them find love, growth and purpose in Christ. And the reality is we have to be grounded in Christ as well. This is this is who we are. This is the vision. And we all have to be a part of making that happen. Amen. We have to demonstrate that love. That's the reason I'm wearing my T-shirt is so we remember the vision. Amen. In part two of the vision, we asked the question, how are you growing in part one? It was how are you loving? And in part two, we asked the question, how are you growing? Not in your physical stature, but spiritually. The question was and remains today. How are you growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? How are you growing in your worship? How are you growing in your service to the kingdom of God? How are you growing in your giving and your tithing and in your generosity? How are you growing in the talents and the giftings that God has bestowed upon you? How are you growing in your faith? How are you growing in your spiritual disciplines? How are you and I growing in our Christian character and in our likeness of Jesus Christ? How many of you know that every day we should look, sound, and be a little bit more like Jesus? Amen? And so that's what I'm talking about when we get to this growing in Jesus Christ. It means that every day, every week, every year, we should be a little bit more like Jesus. Amen. But that's the question that we ask: How are you growing? Because the reality is, unless we're growing ourselves, we can't grow anyone else. Amen. Unless we are rooted ourselves and being built up or grown up in Jesus Christ, we can't grow up anyone else. The reality is if we we can't make disciples unless we are being discipled ourselves, we can't develop someone else unless we are being developed ourselves. I can't develop you. I can't help mature you. I can't help grow you in the Lord unless I first allow myself to be matured and and myself to be discipled and myself to be developed. And the same truth happens and, and is true for all of you. Just because you're not up here behind the pulpit or this desk or podium, whatever you might call it, doesn't mean that you're not a minister of the gospel. You have the same call on your life as I do to be a witness for Jesus Christ, to be an example and to go make disciples. Jesus spoke that to his entire church family. And unless we are developing, unless we are maturing, unless we are growing, we can't grow others. That's what we looked at. We looked at the need for spiritual growth and actually the admonition for us to grow up in the Lord. We learned that just as we should be concerned for our physical growth and our physical well-being even more so, we should be concerned about our spiritual growth. Amen. Because the reality is our physical growth has to do with the temporal, but our spiritual growth has to do with the eternal. Paul said that physical growth in, in 1 Timothy 4.8, talks about physical growth and physical conditioning profiting us a little bit. Listen, exercise profits us, but it doesn't profit us in, a, in the same way as spiritual growth or spiritual discipline profits us. Physical growth is, or, or physical growth and physical discipline and development profits us now. But Paul tells us that spiritual development helps us and benefits us, not just in this life, but in the life to come. And that's why spiritual growth is so important in our faith life. Because we can do everything we can to pump iron and do all sorts of stuff to be buffed physically and in good shape physically. But we must be even more concerned about being buffed spiritually. Amen? Because the reality is, you can't fight the devil physically physically. I don't care how strong you are and how many weights you lift and how many laps you can run and how many uh, pounds you can bench press. If you're not fit and buff spiritually, you won't win the fight. You won't be able to run the race and you won't be able to keep the faith. It's why we must develop and grow continually in a spiritual manner. Amen. That's what we learned. So before we go any farther, because I want to continue on spiritual growth, that was the foundation and the catch up. Now I want to pray. Amen. How many of you know we can't pray enough? So, Father God, we thank you that we're in your house tonight. We thank you for the opportunity to be students of your word, God. I thank you that you have sown some seeds into my life and into my heart and into my mind. And it's my prayer, God, that through the anointing and the power of your Holy Spirit, that those words would come forth with clarity That they would come forth with power and revelation. Father, that they would be able to find a place within the soil of every individual soul that's here or watching, God. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you would come against every obstacle. That you would come against every spirit, every distraction, everything that would try to snatch away the word or keep us from receiving it. And I pray that you would just give us ears to hear and hearts that are willing to receive. And not just receive, but receive with gladness, God. Because we should be glad that you're speaking to us. We should be glad that you want to impart revelation to us. We should be glad to be in the house of God. We should be glad, Father, that we are your students and your children. So teach us tonight, I pray God. And let us receive with gladness everything that you have to say. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Remember, as we've already learned, this is, has to be laid at the foundation concerning spiritual growth. We have to always remember that spiritual growth always starts with desire. It's what we learned before and what we have to keep in mind as we're talking about spiritual growth. Uh, spiritual growth always starts with a craving for God and, and for the things of God. It starts with a, a craving or an inner desire for the word of God. And The house of God and with fellowship with God. See, the reality is, if you have no desire to grow, you're not going to grow. If you don't have a desire for the word of God, you're not going to get into the word of God. If you don't get into the word of God, you won't be nourished by the word of God. If you're not nourished by the word of God, you see how it goes. So it all begins with the desire, Paul or or David said. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. And that has to always be our heart's condition. We must always have a desire for more of God, for more of the character of God and the more of, uh, of, of the nature of God to be developed in our life. If we don't have the desire to grow, we won't grow. All will ever be is a pew that comes into the house of God. We might get a few little sprouts, but we won't grow. So what we have to do is we have to have a desire. Amen. Peter said in first Peter two two desire the pure milk of God's word so that by it, you might grow up in your salvation. Again, demonstrating to us that spiritual growth begins with desire, desire for the things of God. So the question is, how many of you desire to grow up? Amen. Not just grow, but grow up because that's the commission and that's the admonition. What we hope to learn during this series and studies is to be able to den- identify the areas in our life or our spiritual life where we need to grow up. There's no such thing as growing down. You know, it's grow up. So unfortunately, we can decrease, but we need to grow up. Amen. So my heart, my goal and my hope is that we all are able to identify the areas in our spiritual life where we can grow up. Amen. Amen into mature individuals that God has called us to be. My original plan, like I told you, uh, however many weeks ago it was now, to just spend a couple weeks on this spiritual growth or growing in Christ. But the more that I, I studied and the more that I pondered and the more that I prayed about it, I felt led to look at the four levels of spiritual growth that I believe are outlined in Scripture. And those are the things that I want to look at tonight and maybe over the next two or three weeks. But those stages are this. And they are all understand they are all stages of our Christian life. Just because you might be a spiritual infant doesn't mean you're not saved. It just means like you're acting like a baby and we might need to grow up. OK, but the four stages are this. Number one, it's that of an infant. Stage two is that of a child. Stage three is that of a, is that of a young man or woman in Christ. And stage four is that of a spiritual father or a mother. And that's the stage that we should all aspire and strive to become a spiritual mother or father who's literally giving birth to other Christians. Amen. And able to make disciples. Once we get to that level, we should be multiplying ourselves everywhere we go. But what I want, uh, the reason I don't want to focus on these four stages is so that we might be able to use them to help us identify our own spiritual condition. I want to use these four stages to help us determine where we might be in our own spiritual growth process. If, if we could draw, you know, like use the doorpost and make some marks. Well, this is where I'm at. And so that we can use it as a gauge to determine where we might need to grow up. Amen. One of the things that we have to realize is that I may be mature in my service, but I can still be an infant in my giving. Amen. Amen. And so what I want to do, just, just because there's a part of your life that may you may be living like an infant in that area, doesn't mean that you're necessarily a spiritual infant. It means in that area of your life, you need to do some growing up. You might need to grow up in your giving and in your tithing. The house of God, I hate to tell you, it's filled with spiritual infants when it comes to giving. Only 8% actually tithe. I know a lot of people hate to hear about it, but in that area of the Christian life, a lot of individuals are infants. They have not grown to the place of understanding where they realize that this is God's money and not my money. And God is the one that can produce for me and God. They don't understand that they've not arrived at that place. So there's there's a lot of room for growth in that area. Amen. There's some other individuals. They might be very mature in their giving. It might be easy for them to give, but they can still be a spiritual infant in serving. It's nothing for them to give some money into the house of God, but ask them to do something. And good Lord, you're asking like you're asking them to 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 move the world. They just won't serve. So my point is simply this. I want to use these four stages so that we can look at our entire spiritual life and say, you know what, God, in that area you've revealed to me, I need to grow up. I need to grow up in service, or I need to grow up in my prayer life, or I need to grow up in giving. I, I need to grow up in some area of my life. And how many of you know that we all have room to grow? Amen? Including me. I'm the first one to say that. So the first stage that I want to look at is that of a spiritual infant. And the first passage I want us to look at is 1 Corinthians 3, 1-3, through 3, where Paul writes to the church and he says, Brothers and sisters... "...I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly and carnal, mere infants in Christ." And I pause there first to say what a sad commentary this is to be in such a place spiritually that they could not be addressed as spiritual people, but rather as worldly people. Paul was writing to the church, but it's such a sad commentary to the church... For Paul to have to say, I could not address you as spiritual people, but as carnal individuals. It's a sad commentary for the church or any of us to be in such a place spiritually that we cannot be addressed as people who walk by the Spirit, but rather like people who walk by the flesh and according to the flesh, who are moved by the impulses and the desires of the flesh. You see, the more we're moved by the flesh, the more we demonstrate spiritual infancy, the more we are moved and led by the spirit, the more we the more we characterize the nature and the mature nature of Jesus Christ. But Paul writes to the church in a saddened state He's basically saying, I'm sorry to say, but I could not address you as spiritual individuals, but rather I had to write to you as carnal individuals that were mere infants in Christ. What we have to realize is that Paul was writing to the church. He was writing to his brothers and sisters in the Lord. And it's these who he calls carnal and it's these who he calls infants. It's the church who he called worldly and it was the church who he called immature and it was the church that he called carnal. And, and he does that to a number of churches, but we're specifically looking at this one. And he goes on to say, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. And what we want to do is I want to stop right there because Paul was writing this to the Corinthian church with the mindset that they should have been more godly than they were. That they should have been more mature than they were. He wrote this letter to them because his expectation for them was to be farther along than they were. Like when he wrote to the Hebrew church and he said, listen, y'all ought to be teachers by now. But I keep having to teach you this same elementary. He was struggling with infancy in so many of the churches. And the reality is the kingdom of God is suffering from spiritual infancy still today all throughout the churches. It seems like time and time again the preachers have to get up and talk to a bunch of babies. But what he's saying, and I'm not saying that in a condemning way, it's sad that the church is in such a condition that they can't be talked to like spiritual adults. That they have to be spoken to like carnal and worldly individuals that are considered mere infants. But he was writing to them because he expected them to be farther along in their growth process. But he says you're still worldly. You're still acting like babies, he was saying. For since there's jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly, he asks. And he writes and says, are you not acting like mere humans? And what that reminds us, church, is that as Christians, we have a higher call than just mere humans, we as the children of God, the one who's, who was bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, adopted by the king, the one who lavished his love upon us, that we could be called the children of God. He's speaking to them and saying, you as the children of God, you're acting like mere humans. You're acting like those that that don't have the Spirit of God. You're acting like those that have not been redeemed, that have not been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. You're acting like those that have not been adopted by Jehovah, that don't have life inside of you. That's what you're acting like, and that's why he wrote the letter. Because they were still acting worldly and still acting carnal and still acting like spiritual infants, not just children, not teenagers. They were acting like infants, the Bible says. Are you not acting like mere humans? You see, what you and I have to gather from this is that we have a higher call than those that are not saved. We have a higher call. We have a higher purpose. The individuals out there in the world that have not been united with uh, God through Christ, they think their only purpose in life is to go to work, make some money, come home, go to bed, get up in the morning, go back to work, slave, 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 make a living and die one day. But we have a higher call and we have a higher purpose. And that is to grow. That is to grow in our knowledge and in the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is to grow up in our faith. It's to grow up into the, the likeness and the character of Jesus Christ. You have a high call on your life. If you call yourself a Christian, your call and purpose is not just to go to work and not just to pay the bills and not just to raise children. It is to be a mouthpiece and a witness and an example of Jesus Christ. It's to be a light in the darkness and salt where there needs to be savor and healing. That's what our purpose and that's what our call is. But but Paul was saying, look, you're not acting that way. You're not living up to to the expectation. You're not living up to the price that was paid for you. You're not living up to the level that you should be. You're acting like mere humans. Amen. And unfortunately, so often we do the same thing. We grumble. We complain. We get caught up in all the junk of life, the drama. I told the team the other day because there was so much drama. Like this T-shirt, I was going to get a T-shirt that said, Stop the drama or I will. But the reality is we can get caught up in so much of that drama stuff. And when we do, look, that's immature. That's infancy, Paul is saying. And that's what was happening in the church. Drama, drama, drama. Pull down the curtain, okay? Let's go to the next (laughs) stage. Get it over with, really, is what Paul was saying. But anyway, that's all fun and well. But according to this passage, here's what I want to get at in the... The point that I need to make is the first sign of spiritual infancy that Paul makes clear is carnality and worldliness. According to what he says in Scripture, the first sign, the main sign of spiritual infancy is carnality and worldliness, church. I cannot speak to you as mature Christians who are led by the Spirit, Paul said, because you're carnal and worldly. He saw their carnality. He heard their carnality. He sensed their carnality. It was in their speech. It was in their behavior. It was in their dress. It was in their conduct. It was, it was part of everything they did. It was obvious. And that's why Paul wrote. He said, you're acting like infants. His, his, the way that he identified their infancy was through their carnality and their worldliness. So I hope you understand that. The more we act like this world... The more we act like a spiritual infant, the more we behave like this world and talk like this world and dress like this world and are conformed to this world. The more we act like a spiritual infant, this this is how we we determine our level of spiritual growth and what stage we might be in spiritually. Listen, if you're constantly struggling with the things of this world. You are a spiritual infant. And again, I'm not saying this in a condemning way. I'm saying it as a way, like Paul did, to encourage the people to a higher place of living. To grow up in those areas. And we'll look specifically at some of the things that, that he identifies. But the fact is, if we're constantly struggling... With the things of this world, if you have a constant appetite and a hunger for the things of this world, then you're at a place of spiritual infancy, Paul said, because that's the sign of carnality and worldliness. If this world dictates to you, if this world is what leads you. If this world is what guides you and motivates you, then you are acting like a spiritual infant. If you're led by society instead of by the spirit, then Paul says you're a spiritual infant and you need to grow up. And he never said it in a condemning way. He's saying, I want you to understand where you are so that you can become a more mature individual in Jesus Christ. They were saved, but they were infants. And they needed to be able to go from the milk to the meat. And they needed to be able to go from infancy to childhood and then from childhood to a teenager or a young man and woman. And then from it's a growth process. And the sad reality is so often we just seem to settle in one spot and we don't move on from there. But that's what Paul is encouraging us. Paul's making it clear that the spiritually mature, they don't act like this world. They don't walk like this world, talk like this world, dress like this world, uh, behave like this world. They're not conformed to this world, but rather they are conformed to the character of Jesus Christ. Every day, our goal, our job, our responsibility, our duty should be to conform ourselves more and more to the character of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Romans 12 2, Paul's writing to the church again, and he says, be not conformed to this world. Why did he write that to the church? Because the church was looking more like the world day after day after day. They sounded like the world. They dressed like the world. They acted like the world. They had tempers like the world and lusts like the world. Were having sex like the world. They were fornicating like the world. All of it. And that's why Paul said, don't be conformed to this world. Don't fashion yourself after it. Don't pattern yourself after it. Don't model yourself after it, but rather be transformed into the image and the likeness and the character of Jesus Christ. You know who you and I are supposed to look like? We're supposed to look like Jesus. We're not supposed to look like King James. We're not supposed to look like a rock star and a pop star and a movie star. We're supposed to live and move and breathe like Jesus Christ. But the house of God, unfortunately, is filled with individuals who their goal is to, is to, 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 to model and reflect and resemble the, the pop stars of this world. Influenced by the fashions of this world and the things of this world. And, and the reality is, listen, I'm not saying that we can't dress up nice. I'm not saying we put on burlap bags every day and go out into this world. Yeah, I want you to look nice and you should look nice because you are a representation of God. But the reality is, listen, if the if the fashion police are are dictating to you and the political police are dictating to you and society is dictating to you instead of the spirit of God, listen, Paul says you're a spiritual infant. If you're moved and motivated by the people and the things of this world and by society instead of by the Spirit, Paul says you need to grow up. You need to change your mind, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove the good and acceptable will of the Father. And that will is to look like Jesus and not like the world. So I want you to understand the struggle Paul was having trying to build these churches. The majority of them were acting carnal and worldly and like spiritual infants. And he kept having to press this thing about spiritual growth. And I believe with all of my heart that today's church still needs to hear the same thing. We need to grow up in, in righteousness. We need to grow up in holiness. We need to grow up in our faith and begin to look more like Jesus and sound more like Jesus and feel more like Jesus than we do this world. Amen. There's too many individuals. They pattern their speech and everything about them around this world rather than Jesus Christ. And Paul calls that infancy. He was saying they should have been walking like chosen people. They should have been talking like a royal priesthood. They should have been living like a a holy nation. But they were living like the world instead. And that's why he wrote these words. When we try to fashion ourselves and model ourselves Uh, uh, against society or or like society, then, then Paul speaks to us or the Holy Spirit speaks to us and says we need to grow up. Again, notice that Paul called this group brethren. He referred to them as brothers and sisters in Christ. They confessed Christ, but they weren't characterized by Christ yet. But that's what he was trying to do. Every time you hear a sermon... Every time God speaks a word into your life, it is to help transform you a little bit more into the character of Christ. You see, Paul understood that understood that he had to sow into them. He understood that he had to correct them. He understood that he had to encourage them. He understood that he needed to do some work to help them grow. And that's why the Holy Spirit is speaking to us as well. He's trying to encourage us to grow up in all of those areas so that we can be characterized by Christ and not by our culture. Amen. This is what the Holy Spirit is teaching us. The sad reality is there's a lot of individuals that confess Christ on Sunday, but they don't model him on Monday. They don't model him on Tuesday. They're not characterized by him on Wednesday or Thursday or Friday or all throughout the week. When all of the pressures build up against them, you see, listen, it's easy for you to come in here on Sunday and confess Christ, but it's a hard thing to model him on Monday. Oh, you can come in here and we can worship and we can dance and we can sing and praise God we have the opportunity to do that. But you and I need to clearly understand the sole reason God fills us in here and, and ministers to us in here and speaks to us in here and refreshes us in here and renews us in here is so that Monday when we go out there, we can model him all throughout the week. Amen. So the question is, who are we modeling? When we get on the runway of life, who are we modeling? Who do we represent? Who do we look like, sound like, feel like? Do we look like, sound like, feel like the world? If we do, we need to grow up. We need to, we need to allow the character of Christ and the nature of Christ to be fully developed in our lives. Amen? Amen? If we call ourselves Christians but aren't characterized by Christ, then Paul calls that an infant. So that's a way we can look at ourselves. Am I confessing Christ or am I characterized by Christ? Am am I am I? Looking like society or being led by society or am I looking and and being led by the spirit? That's how we can weigh out where we are in our spiritual growth process. Paul said, I could not address you as those who were walking according to the spirit, but rather those who were walking according to the flesh. And that's what spiritual infants do. That's what actual infants do as well. How many of you know that an infant cares nothing but about its own flesh. An infant cares nothing about being fed, nothing about its own hunger, nothing about its own, uh, Comfort level, its own pleasure, being sat. That's, that's all an infant cares about. doesn't care about anything else, church. But a spiritual infant, it's the same exact thing. They walk according to their flesh. They're, they're controlled by the flesh. They're controlled by the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and by the pride of life. They're, they're controlled by its desires and by its demands, by its cravings and by its callings and, and by its hunger, church. And that's what spiritual infants do. They're controlled by the flesh rather than being controlled by the Spirit. And Paul said, I could not address you like those who were being led by the Spirit, but rather those who were being led by the flesh. How many of you know those that are being led by the flesh are going to hear a different sermon than those that are being led by the Spirit? Amen? Amen. And so if you want to go to higher places and we want to go to better places and we want to hear that sermon uh, that that is reserved for those that are being led by the spirit, then we got to stop feeding the flesh and we got to let God grow us up a little bit. And we got to push away the things of this world and to begin to let the Holy Spirit lead us and guide us, church. So this is what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us here Is that we cannot be spiritual infants that are controlled by the flesh, but rather by the spirit. So again, the number one sign of spiritual infancy is carnality and fleshliness. The number one sign of spiritual immaturity is being controlled by the flesh rather than by the spirit. So the question tonight is, again, what's controlling us tonight? What's controlling our tongue? What's controlling our thoughts What's controlling our feet? What's controlling our temper? What's controlling our emotions? What's controlling our mind? What's controlling our talents? And what's controlling our money? What's controlling our marriage? What's controlling our family and our. What's controlling us? Is it the spirit or is it the flesh? And if we can't say it's the Spirit that's controlling my marriage, guess what? You need to grow up in your marriage. If you can't say that it's the Spirit that's controlling my mind and controlling my words, then it's obvious that we must grow up in our speech and in our thinking. You understand? This is how we identify the areas of our life where we need to grow. If I'm not being led by the Spirit when the offering plate passes by, but I'm being led by the flesh to wad it up real small and stick it in my pocket, you need to grow up in that area of your spiritual life. Giving is spiritual, tithing is spiritual. It's it's not earthly, it's heavenly. It's been ordered by God and ordained by God. And yet we act like it's a physical thing. It's physical money. That's all. No, it's spiritual. And yet when the when the offering plate comes by, we fail to remember that this is a spiritual moment where I can be a child or I can be an adult, mature in the Lord and have impact in the kingdom of God. But the emotions begin and the devil begins to speak. Oh, well, if you give that, you won't be able to do this. You give that, you, you can't go to lunch. If you, you give that, how are you going to pay that? You understand, when I don't want to get stuck on money. I'm just telling you it's spiritual. We need to understand that. And it's one of the main areas, one of the main reasons the kingdom of God is suffering because we've got a bunch of baby givers that don't trust God to be God. I don't know why I got off on that, but I did. I know pastor liked it. I could not address you as those who were walking according to the Spirit. I had to address you as those who were walking according to the flesh. So use that as a template. God, what area in my life am I fleshly? What area in my life am I spiritual? Am I being led by the Spirit in this area? Am I being led by the flesh? I know time's running out, so I'm going to start winding this down. I'm only on page halfway. (laughs) That's why it's a series. Amen? So I can pick up. But here's here's where I want to start to wind this down. One of the main signs of the Corinthians carnality. He called them carnal because he saw something carnal. He called them infants because he saw something infantile. He called them immature because he saw something immature, amen? Otherwise, he would just be mean and being calling them names. But Paul was led by the Spirit, so he didn't just call out names. When he spoke something, he was being led by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit was the one calling them immature, and the Spirit was the one calling them infants. Not Paul. It was the Spirit, church. And this is what we need to understand when we're hearing a sermon, too. That it's the Spirit that's speaking to us. But here's my point. One of the main signs of the Corinthians' carnality, it's mentioned in verse 3 where it says, For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Since there's jealousy and quarreling, since there's envy and strife, some say. Among you, are you not acting like mere humans? Are you not acting fleshly and immature? So what Paul identifies as the main sign of their carnality, the easiest thing for him to see and pinpoint was jealousy and quarreling. It was Paul was actually saying the most carnal behavior that we can have as the children of God or the people of God is that of jealousy and quarreling. It's that of envy and strife, church, and yet it fills the house of God all across the land. Jealousy, quarreling, bickering, unforgiveness, bitterness, strife, anger, wrath. All of those things are married together. They're all part of the same exact thing. And, and, And yet they fill the house of God. The house of God is filled with spiritual infants who envy one another. Filled with spiritual infants that are constantly bickering with one another. Spiritual infants that can't forgive one another. That allow roots of bitterness to, to, to make their way down into the soil of their soul and choke out the Spirit of God. And Paul calls that spiritual infancy. It's filling the house of God then and it's filling the house of God now. He said, it's obvious. You're jealous of one another. One person is exalted to a higher level to be, and you're jealous and you want to knock them down off their high horse instead of praying for them to go even further. To be blessed by the the Father. We want to take away the blessing and, and pull it from them. Jealousy, quarreling, envy, bitterness, wrath, unforgiveness. It fills the house of God. It filled the house of God then, and you know what he called it? infancy. He called it immaturity. He called it carnality. He was saying that's what the world does, not what my children do. That's how the world acts, not how my children act. That's how the world uh, that's lost in darkness behaves. That's not how sons and daughters of light behave. The very things that shouldn't be named among us are being named among us. And Paul is saying, listen, these are the areas where you must grow up. Put it aside. Get rid of it. Build one another up. Encourage one another. Love one another. Forgive one another. Be patient and kind towards one another. Forgiving one another just as God for Christ's sake forgave us. Amen. This is what he's trying to teach us. But infants don't understand that. Amen. Infants, spiritual infants think nothing of those around them. And this is where I'm going to close it out because I only got a few minutes. But spiritual infants think nothing of those around them, church. An infant is completely consumed by its own desires and its own wants and its own needs, So listen, if you want to know where you are on the spiritual growth chart, ask yourself this. When you come to church, when you go to your brother and sister in Christ, when you pick up the phone to talk to someone in the church, when you reach out to the pastor, when you reach out to the staff, are you asking, what can I do for you? How can I pray for you? How can I build you up? What's the need? How can I help? How can I serve? Are you saying, pastor, can you help me? Staff, this is my need, my need, my need, my need, my need. Listen, I'm not saying you can't call the church. That's what we're here for. But if that's the only thing about you, if you never make the call to be used, if you ne- never demonstrate that you have a concern for the needs of the people around you, that's infancy. Because a baby, listen. What you and I need to understand in a natural sense is a baby doesn't care if mama has to get up at three o'clock in the morning. A baby doesn't care if daddy's worked 12 or 14 hours when it's hungry, it cries and it wants to be fed. The baby doesn't care what it costs someone else to meet its need. It just wants to be hungry. It doesn't care if it disrupts an entire restaurant because it wants to be lifted up out of its baby chair. It doesn't care because it's not concerned about anything except itself, about me, myself, and I. And listen, I'm not going to close with this because I don't want to close on a down note. But if your entire Christian life is about me, myself, and I, you're a spiritual infant and you need to grow up. There comes a point in time in our spiritual life where we have to learn to feed ourselves, burp ourselves, bathe ourselves, wipe ourselves, dress ourselves, brush our own teeth, comb our own hair, do our own work, fix our own meal. That's what it that's that's on the spiritual growth process. Listen, on the spiritual growth process, you will be in places in your life where ain't going to be nobody around to fix you a meal. There ain't gonna be anybody around to preach you a sermon. There ain't gonna be anybody around to pat you on the back. Ain't gonna be anybody around to lift you up, and I know my English is slang, but there ain't gonna be nobody around to make a, put a smile on your face or put a happy sticker on your, on your chest. You're gonna to have to learn to do it yourself. To lift yourself up, pick yourself up, wipe yourself off, church. Feed yourself and fix food for yourself. Pray for yourself. Sing for yourself. Dance all for yourself. Preach to yourself. I preach to myself sometimes. Thankfully, it's not right here. But listen, the reality is what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach the church then and trying to teach us now is that there are areas in our life where we have to grow up. We cannot live in this place of spiritual infancy. We cannot be in the same place today that we were when we first got saved two years ago. Can't be in the same place of prayer. Can't be in the same place of service. Can't be in the same place of worship. Can't be in that same place. Because all that is is spiritual infancy and immaturity. If we're not willing to grow out of our carnality... And grow out of our worldliness. God can't use us. Amen, church? We can't answer the call that He's put upon His life. And this is the main reason that that Paul was so intense about growing up the church. Because without the church, which is you and me, without the body of Christ being mature, guess what happens? The church falls, the kingdom suffers. The light doesn't shine. The salt isn't shaken. And the world goes to hell in a handbasket. And the only way that we can save this world, if we're willing to stand here tonight and say, God, I've got room to grow. God, there's areas in my life where I've been acting like an infant. There's been areas of my life where I've been led by the flesh instead of by the Spirit. But I'm here tonight, God, and I'm saying, wherever those areas might be, I'm saying I'm willing to grow. If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet. Because I'm standing here tonight and I'm saying, listen, as I plan through this, I'm, I'm a baby in some of these areas. I need to grow. Amen? So if you're here tonight and you're saying, God, I want to grow then God will help you grow. Because like I said at the beginning, what's it start with? starts with desire. So how many of you have a desire to be characterized by Jesus Christ? Amen.